Artemis sits in the data infrastructure space. Really what we do is we help teams, specifically data analysts, clean messy data sets. Now that sounds pretty broad and obviously it is, but when we get down to the nitty gritty of it, really what we do is we help teams take data from their data warehouse and we help them clean and prepare that data so that when they want to build visualizations um, and analytics, or if they want to, you know, let's say hook up an LLM chatbot, chat with their data, they can do so really easily and they have the right data set that's formatted in the right way, that's clean and ready to be taken advantage of. Um, we see there's a huge bottleneck right now within both AI, but also in data as a whole is within data quality. And our platform makes it really easy for analysts uh, to do that, making it about 50 times faster actually um, than doing so. So um, overall, really our platform helps teams uh, clean messy data sets. Who is specifically the initial customer? Yeah, so, so really we target data analysts as the first user on the platform for a couple of different reasons. So the way our platform works, it's a low code tool. The reason we say low code is because while we have building blocks, you know, we consider them sort of like Lego, they can build these pipelines together and help, you know, build these models. We actually generate the model code for you. Um, and so what ends up happening is data analysts who are technical, but maybe not engineers, have the ability to build these pipelines. We write the code for them and then they can go in and edit it rather than having to start from scratch. Um, so that, that'd be our user. How did you validate the customer problem and the demand for your solution? Did you use any specific methodologies or tools for this validation process? Yeah, so, I mean, the validation process started from the fact that I experienced this pain point myself. Um, this is my second startup. Uh, my first one was acquired actually last year. Um, and it was while scaling that company that I really found this problem firsthand. I experienced it firsthand. Um, obviously, though, when you go to market, you need to test these things. Um, and really, we, we tested this through a variety of different metrics um, that we have with our users, mainly based on usage, um, but really is about word of mouth. Uh, we've grown our user base pretty outstandingly, and it's all been through word of mouth. We haven't spent a dollar on advertising yet. Um, and that's really just been a testament to the pain point that we're solving. Are there any dependencies or limitations uh, to its use of your product that uh, anyone should be aware of. Um, can you describe your product step-by-step step in details? How Explain how it solves the identified problem. Yeah, so we connect to the data warehouse. So we typically work with teams that are a bit larger. Uh, maybe, you know, we say Series A and plus. Typically, they're scaling. They've either hit product market fit or they're scaling pretty aggressively and they have a lot of data that they need to work with. Um, so we sit on the data warehouse layer. So we connect to a team that already has a data warehouse, let's say, in the cloud. Um, perhaps maybe on Snowflake, Databricks, um, Redshift, um, Postgres, and like that. We also connect to a GitHub modeling layer. So we connect to their GitHub in order to actually store and, and make sure that those models have version control. Um, so that's kind of how we set up with the user. Now, in terms of how we actually solve that pain point, users right now are expected to build these models to clean data sets. As I said, we provide a low-code building block tool that people can use. They can, you know, drag these, you know, building blocks onto a canvas and we actually write that model code for them in real time. This allows them to one, build models about 50 times faster than they normally could, um, you know, taking what would take maybe an hour or two down to just a couple of minutes. Um, and two, actually provides more accurate, um, more accurate models being built. Um, they need to actually better and cleaner data uh, moving forward. Once they do that, and once they actually finalize those tables, they then send those and uh, we connect directly to all the visualization tools you know, Looker, Power BI, um, they send those tables into those tools to visualize, um, or in today's world, they connect it to, let's say, a chatbot, which they can then start to chat with that data set. Um, so. And what is your go-to-market strategy? How do you plan to reach your customers? Yeah, so 
really right now, you know, being an early stage pre-seed company, we're, we're, we want to be really intimate with our users. We want to know them really well. And we've done much more of a, you know, an outbound, you know, sales sort of strategy. Now, obviously that's not sustainable moving forward as we scale. Um, and so as we, as we start to scale up, we'll be doing a much more product-led growth strategy, uh, moving in within specifically the data analyst role, landing and expanding within teams. Right now, we typically see about 80% penetration rate within our organization uh, from within their data team uh, once they actually adopt it. So it's pretty high adoption, which we're pretty proud of. Josh, how does your company plan to generate revenue? I know you are in the pre pre-seed yeah. stage. Uh, yeah. But how do you plan the profitability in the short and long term? Yeah, so um, to make it really easy, um, in the long term, um, we have we want to be moving much more toward a usage-based model. So what we mean by that is we see our platforms be very effective from a workflow basis. Um, and because we're a workflow basis, it means that we move out of the paradigm of per seat. We're not just creating value for individual users, we're actually creating a much higher value for the organization as a whole. And so moving to much more of a usage-based model, we're going to be able to attract more value, but also it's going to be more aligned with our users. We want more people to be on our platform to be able to create more and more of these models. Um, but there's a caveat there. The data industry um, as a whole has been very plagued and has a lot of abuse and a lot of tension with the usage-based models. Um, you look at something like Snowflake as an example. Um, you know What you see there is companies that are super frustrated because they sign these contracts for maybe a million dollars and spend a year and they spend a million dollars in the first four months. Um, this lack of control and lack of transparency and usage-based pricing causes companies to overshoot the runway and overshoot their budget um, leading to much higher costs. So we need to be really careful. And we're trying to be really intentional with how, with how we do that. Um, yeah. And then that just on a side note, I just need to let somebody in the house. Sorry, can you give me one second? Sure. So can you discuss some of the trends or market forces that have enabled this product uh, exist today? What, what, uh, how do trends support your business model uh, and value proposition? Yeah, so, I mean, I think data as a whole, there's been this, you know, this huge movement in the last 20 years. Data is the new oil. We've all heard that line over and over again, hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, and while there's a lot of validity to that, there was a lot of issues in terms of building that infrastructure and building in the right tools in place to extract, you know, said value. What we see now in the market is obviously with the huge, you know, movement and trends within AI and LMs and, you know, bringing, you know, huge amounts of data to be able to chat through an interface, natural language processing, all those sorts of things. Um, we see the fundamental barrier to working data to be dropped significantly. Um, but what's actually, what that's created is it's created these massive expectations that, because you can now chat with your data, you should be able to extract, you know, extract all the value you should be able to, right? We almost have this, this magic, you know, magical system to be able to pull all the value out. And while there's validity there, where we see, you know, where our product really shines is to get to that point, you need to have clean data. And right now there's a huge bottleneck in data that's really raw. It's not clean. You know, most of the world's data comes either unstructured, so it's not actually in a tabular format. And of the data that's in the tabular format, about 80 to 90% of it is messy in a certain way. And, and a short, a small example about that, um, I'll, I'll kind of share that. If you have a table, let's say that, you know, you have products, um, you know, that you're bringing together data from a couple of different sources and you're trying to find, you know, what's the, you know, what's our total sales for the state of California. 
Well, if California in that table is written five different ways, CA, Cal, California, California with a capital C, um, you know, and maybe one other, an LM might be able to pick that up, but it might not. And there's a lot of trust and a lot of, um, you know, issues in that data quality that need to be stamped out. That's a very basic one, um, a very basic example, but you can see at scale um, how these really start to proliferate. Really what we're trying to do is be intelligent to unlock that bottleneck. And we see kind of the idea of people want these, this value now, but they're not going to get there unless they're able to clear this bottleneck. That's where we see ourselves um, really solving. And that's where we see ourselves existing today. How do you define your market, uh, target market and also, what is the side of the market for your product right now? Can you repeat the second question, actually? Uh, what is the size of the market? Yeah, so, I mean, data is one of the biggest markets in the world. Um, it's quite large. We see the, the cloud market is about $600 billion right now. Um, data infrastructure as a whole is about, I think, about $100 billion right now, growing at about 25% year on year. So quite a lot of growth, um, especially... Um, kind of in, in our space. We see within data transformation, we see it to be about today a $25 billion market growing at about 40% a year. That's uh, kind of what, you know, what some other um, professionals have, have gauged it at. Um, so pretty large market in that sense. So are there any indirect or direct competition in the same field? Yeah, so it's definitely a very busy space. Um, you know, obviously we have, we have our own pieces of the puzzle that we believe are kind of our own in, in our own moat, I'd say. Um, but in terms of like direct competitors, um, yeah, there's definitely competitors, companies like Turntable, um, that's a big one. Um, we're built on top of an open source tool, DBT, built for engineers, um, but we are built on top of that. Um, and they would be definitely kind of the leader in that space. Um, something that we're definitely trying to unseat in, in, in some ways. Is the red ocean or is it a uh, blue ocean? Yeah, I think it really depends what how you look at it. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of there's definitely elements of red ocean to it, based on the fact that it's a very busy space. Um, but I think with you know with what AI is able to unlock, there's a ton of blue ocean opportunity um, that allows you know just different ways to fundamentally solve these problems that weren't available three four years ago, um, two years ago even. Um, you know that unlock and productivity being able to completely circumvent or redefine workflows, um, create huge bluish opportunities today. And what is it defendable today or in the future? So what is a competitive mode to protect against yeah. the potential rivals? Yeah, 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 totally. So kind of the way we like to describe it is we have our own proprietary algorithm. We called it Leto. Um, for those of you who are in Greek mythology, Leto is Artemis's mom. Um, so we're trying to stay within the lineage, stay within the namesake. Um, but I'll kind of give a bit of an analogy on how that works. So the way to think about us is similar to um, kind of like a, like a Tesla. And the reason I say a Tesla for a couple of different reasons. So our low code tool is like a car. It helps teams, um, data teams specifically, get around an organization's, you know, city. And if you buy a city, what I mean by that is if you think of a company, you know, let's say Figma as an example, that's a, that's a pretty big startup these days. Um, you know, if we think of Figma's data infrastructure, the streets and the neighborhoods are maybe, let's say, databases or tables, you know, maybe in payments or marketing data or whatever. Um, our tool is like a car. It helps teams navigate that and then use those to, you know, build better beneficial, you know, value for the organization. Um, where we're like a Tesla, though, not maybe, let's say, a Chevy Malibu, 
is while we're doing this, we actually have our own proprietary algorithm that's building up this really rich context layer and knowledge graph, similar to you know the way the Tesla you know records and takes in data of the streets that it drives around it. Um, and what's cool about that is we're building this really rich context layer that not only enables to provide a more better and more magical experience for our customers, but actually allows all these LM tools to have context from when it's working. What we've seen is a lot of these AI tools that you use today don't have that necessary context to work with the data that's actually locked and siloed within your business. We're creating that kind of bridge um, right there. Um, so that's really, I'd say, what our mode is. It's completely proprietary. Um, and it's, it's really allows us to bring value within our own product and as well outside the product. When did you start the company? Started building in May of last year. And so you are ready to launch or how is the product development? Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually in market right now. We have, we're still in beta. We have about 50 organizations on the platform today, which is super exciting. Um, we have just about 100, 160, 170 users on the platform. So it's uh, it's been pretty great. Do you talk with your customers weekly? How many customers do you talk oh, with? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. We uh, we've set up Slack channels with most of our customers. Um, we talk to them on a weekly basis for sure. So th they are fine with your solution. Is there a product market fit already? No, I mean I think product market fit is is you know there's something yeah there's something different about product market fit. Um, I think for us, what's exciting is we've gotten a user base that's invigorated with the problem. They feel passionate about it. I think there's a you know. I think most startups are a long way from product market fit, and I, and I do not want to say that we're there um, earlier than we are. So I think we have a long journey ahead of us, um, but I think we're we're solving some pretty cool problems um, in pretty cool ways. So we're, we're we're very happy with where we're at so far, but always more to be done. Sure. Can you share some of the unique insights or learnings? I mean, you have gained through this long process of your work, especially in this startup. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think people would be shocked at the state of quality of data within organizations today. I think I think most people believe that data sets come in these perfectly built spreadsheets um, that they can just, you know, access and, and you know, have a field day with. Um, I think we are constantly learning how poor the state of data quality is. And there's, and there's a hundreds of different reasons for that, um, you know. Something as simple as, you know, if a, you know, if a head of data or a product manager changes um, in a company, how those, you know, how those tables and schemas are, are measured will be completely different. Um, it's very, you know, a lot of knowledge is held up within the individual people. Um, a big part of our product and our job is how do we get that onto the page? How do we get that into the canvas? Um, you know, how can we translate that from the human into a code, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's one. I think two. I say our, our biggest insight that, that we've learned is actually something I learned in my first startup, um, but that we're really trying to incorporate and in building now is not only just satisfying the, the the technical pain point, but building for the emotional pain point of the user. And what I mean by that is most products today, the successful ones, the ones that feel like magical, I'd say, are the ones that not only solve a technical pain point, but also address an emotional need within the user. Um, you look at amazing tools like Linear or Notion or, um, you know, Superhuman. They do much more than what they actually do. Um, you know, Superhuman deals with that, you know, crappy, anxious feeling of opening your inbox, right? Um, you know, Linear deals with that frustrating collaboration feature uh, of building products. Um, you know, Notion satisfies that creative edge. So there's there's a deeper emotional tie there. 
Um, and I think for us, what we've seen is analysts right now are super afraid. They're super scared of, um, I guess they're anxious, I guess is a better word, um, of will this technology replace me? Will this technology help me? Um, and the way we position ourselves is we're, we, you know, we're building AI tools to be on your side of the equation. And we want to turn those, you know, those anxious fears, um, from, you know, and that feeling into joy and into excitement and into, wow, like this, this tool is going to completely change how I work and change how I work for the better in these 10 ways. So it's much harder building products in that way, building for those emotional pain points because they're often on a much deeper level, but we believe in the long run, building for those is really what's going to set us apart. Who is the founding team? Um, it's myself and uh, my co-founder, Will. We've actually known each other, we go way back. We've known each other since middle school. Um, so I think we, yeah, we know each other since like grade six or grade seven. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he studied um, computer uh, mechatronics, sorry, at, Water, at the University of Waterloo. Um, has worked at amazing companies like Flybits, um, Autodesk, Extend Insurance. So, Quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of experience in the data infrastructure space. So you you both work on the engineering side. No, so my background's in finance actually. Um, so I'm not I'm not technical. I can't code um, to save my life. But um, but yeah, no, he uh, he he's definitely in charge of that stuff. We have two engineers on the team as well, so we're pretty small. We're just four right now. That's great. And what is your superpower? Personally, or as a team. I mean, personally, your and also uh, your co-founders. Yeah, so I think from I'll speak for my co-founder first. So, I, I you know it's funny actually we had we had someone ask us this the other day. Um, for my co-founder, I think one of the things that constantly blows me away is his ability to tackle problems, and not so much in terms of solving them, but in terms of never letting problems defeat him. Um, that kind of relentless ability to say, "Hey, I might not know this today." but here are the things I need to do to solve this problem to tomorrow or the next day. That's been really cool to see. And it's been really kind of mind blowing, um, which I think that that kind of relentless ability to solve problems is, is really big. Um, I think for myself, this, this might sound a bit backwards, but I have an amazing ability to fail. Um, I have been someone that's comfortable with failure since a young age. And I think personally, you know, we have, we have a philosophy and a value at our, at our business of transparency, which is in our company of transparency. It's with our investors. Um, it's with our, it's with our other staff. It's with our customers. Um, you know, we have, you know, in, in our investor, um, you know, updates, for instance, we have, you know, um, the Medusa points is what we call them. It's basically like, what are the worst points in our company that we need to talk about? We don't believe, you know, it's my fundamental belief that if we're not told what we need to work on, we're not going to get there. Um, and so being comfortable with failure, I think is something that's difficult, but it's something that thankfully I've been accustomed to. So, uh, it's a, it's a good way to fail forward. What keeps you awake at night nowadays? What are the risks that you are going to encounter? Or... Well, I mean, I think there's good and bad things that keep you up. Um, you know, I think, you know, I would say really on both sides of the coin, it's product development. I think from our side, I'm so excited about all the things we're building and how fast we're building them. It's been amazing to see. I think though on the flip side, it's also very, you know, this world is just accelerating in pace in terms of AI tools and um, and data as a whole. And so that definitely, you know, keeps me up in terms of, you know, how fast are things changing? Are we staying up to date? Are we riding the wave rather than sinking? Um, is definitely what keeps me up at night. 
Josh, thank you very much for taking time to discuss your startup with me today. I appreciate the yeah. insights you have shared. Yeah. You have the passion and enthusiasm, and I think your yeah. team has the same. I look forward mm -hmm. to continuing uh, our conversation in upcoming weeks and months.